0: I mean, and how do you even decide, because your background isn't in robotics, it's not in drone delivery, but I read in your press questionnaire, you just saw a drone in the air and said, you know what, that's great that it's going someplace, but where's it landing? Is it going to be secure? Can people rely on the package that they're expecting to be there when they get there to pick it up, et cetera, et cetera? So what type of person just sits down at his kitchen table and says, I'm going to build a drone with a climate controlled dock? flesh out the uh the aha story that would be a sure. yeah.
1: really there, i always say there's two people there's a guy that thought about it and there's a guy that did it right and everybody has ideas but only one executes on any specific one and so if you're not first you're last to that kind of mentality and just from you know, being
0: <laughs> all right another race car reference thank you to uh talladega knights <laughs> and if you're not first you're looking up a dog's butt <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about if you ain't first, you're last. Yeah. You know, who could you consult to to knock out the nuts and bolts?
1: Well, ne- necessity is other is always the mother of invention, right? And that's how ideas happen. And you know, if you're gonna have drone and autonomous delivery, naturally you're gonna need to have a a place to secure all this this commerce, right? I mean, we call it the Amazon economy. It's just accelerating like crazy. Two years ago in, in Fort Wayne, Indiana. UPS delivered to eight thousand less locations in Fort Wayne, Indiana, than they will today in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and that just shows how this market has grown. You got people outsourced, more commerce being delivered to more uh, locations, and there's a need for uh, being notified when those items show up, knowing that they're safe when they show up. You don't have to worry and leave your job because your new iPhone sit on your front porch or anything like that. But when you have a great idea, it's not if it is always about you you're already a loser because no one person can be an expert at everything. Right. So that's where it comes. The team comes in, you know, uh, putting the best and brightest people around you to leverage on your dream and your vision. And that's what we do here at deck every day. We've got a world-class team and we're all executing in the same direction on the same IP toward the same goal.
0: And so uh, speaking of successful ideas that are all about me, <laughs> but <laughs> welcome to the successfully funded podcast brought to you by KiwiTech, a growing ecosystem of entrepreneurs, investors, mentors, accelerators, incubators, and corporations. We help early and growth stage startups build viable products, drive traction, raise capital, and scale their businesses. Now, as we move on with our discussion about drone deck, first a brief disclaimer. KiwiTech, as habitual listeners all know, is not acting as a broker, dealer, or investment advisor and is not registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission in any such capacities. At no time does KiwiTek provide investment advice, endorsement, analysis, or recommendations with respect to securities. Information contained herein should be viewed for entertainment purposes only. KiwiTech does not verify or assure that information provided by any issuer offering its securities is accurate or complete or that the valuation of such securities is appropriate. Investing in securities, particularly in securities issued by startup companies, involves substantial risk, and investors should be able to bear the loss of their entire investment. And the entire disclaimer is located for you at successfullyfundedpodcast.com slash disclaimer, because I'm here with the founder and CEO of Drone Deck which is revolutionizing the last mile of autonomous delivery by unlocking quick, convenient and eco-friendly deliveries to your home or business and keeping your packages safe. And here once again from Indianapolis, Indiana, one of four states whose capital city begins with the same letter. Just a piece of trivia I learned when I was like 10 years old. Please welcome founder and CEO of Drone Deck, Dan O'Toole. Dan, welcome.
1: Thanks, Doug. I don't know how to follow that trivia, man. I, I mean, I uh... That was pretty good. Thank
0: you. Well, it's uh, it's 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 a gift, you know, you should have, you should be proud of the fact that Indianapolis, Indiana is just one of that rarefied coterie of four state capitals. But, um more importantly, I want to hear more about drone deck. I know you're familiar talking about all the problems with delivery and what was it 1.7 million packages got ripped off in a year, in a day, in an hour? Every day, every single day. Every day, day, because you never know. Whatever the terminology would be, it's unfortunately just too plausible. If you were to say, during the last sentence, 1.7 million packages were stolen, I can't say I would disagree with that. Package insecurity and porch pirating is pretty rampant. But I really want to dial this back here a bit, because you said you saw this problem, went home, sketched out something. You really had to find somebody who could build this, who could build a viable drone, And also build the dock that has all of these uh, capabilities. So who do you take your sketch to and who laughed you out of the room first?
1: First, I had the idea and I called my patent attorney and I said, (laughs) I said, John, I got to file this in a week. And he's like, what the heck? And so by the time I got home from that business trip where I was driving and daydreaming and thinking about drone deck, by the time I got home, I had so many ideas. I kept thinking, how can I make this even better? How can I throw the kitchen sink at this and protect all these ideas in one platform? And by the time I got home, I was just overwhelmed and overflowing with these ideas. I ran straight to my office and just wanted to get them down on paper so I didn't forget anything. And then about a week, I engineered it backward and forward and drew a bunch of pictures and things. And a week later, I I literally filed and I knew I was in a race because that's the nature of ideas. Uh God gives one idea to 10 people at the same time just to make sure somebody's going to follow up on it. I'd lost the race on a couple other uh, ideas I had on a remote control with Sony and a medical device, General Motors. And so I ran and I got this thing locked up. And, you know, as it turned out, I beat Amazon by four days. I beat the U.S. Postal Service by two weeks. Other companies by less than a month. So we have a first position patent portfolio in this space and it really puts us as the brand of leader iterating the next generation mailbox put consolidating all delivery to that one secure point which would be uh, unmanned driverless vehicle robotic delivery aerial drone delivery as well as conventional and US mail so that's drone deck
0: well and that's one of my favorite parts of the story because who's to say if you'd have this inspiration five days later where you'd be it's just so much luck of the draw and how when you hear the aphorism, you know chance favors the prepared mind. And when you talk about that patent that you beat Amazon out for, what is specific about that patent? I mean, you see drones everywhere, but I mean, is it the actual? Is it the receptacle part of it, or what extent of the patent is specific to DroneDeck?
1: Yeah. First of all, DroneDeck is not the drone or the drone deck. We are not a drone. We're leaving that up to the the others that are in that space specifically, right? So we are platform agnostic which means we're welcoming to all shippers and deliverers, whether it's a local pizza guy, uh, Uber Eats, DoorDash, UPS, FedEx, Amazon, Google, uh, any of those guys, we're allowing all delivery to be secured in a drone deck. That's our claim to fame. And when you have the autonomous element of delivery to a safe, secure receptacle, that's the drone deck IP. You know, um, there's lock boxes that are out there right now. You know, the kind of dumb boxes, as we call them, uh, they're not smart, um, and those things have been around forever. And there's really no IP security around that. You know, the intellectual property security that we have with ours is because we you add that element of autonomy to the delivery, and that's that's where we come in.
0: Well, yeah, the the deck is the is the real distinguishing part here. We should be clear about that. The only secure smart mailbox I've ever seen is uh, Amazon has those at Whole Foods. For those who haven't yet heard what DroneDeck is and versatile is lay down the sexy details about what makes this thing so unique.
1: You know, we even have part of our IP, Doug, is putting a DroneDeck adjacent to the Amazon box uh, (laughs) and be able to satisfy delivery autonomously through DroneDeck and filter over to the the dumb box, if you will. So we don't want to leave anyone behind and maybe there's a a connection there. We're future-proofed. Right now you got... Conventional delivery, U.S. mail happening. But when you flip that switch to autonomy, that's where we shine. So use deck right now as your everyday mailbox. Use it as a, a safe uh, security box. But when autonomous delivery happens, flip that switch. You're future-proofed. You're ready to go immediately when that happens.
0: So uh, how much time uh, transpired between your first sketch and your first prototype? What sort of uh, effort went into that first prototype when you first envisioned it?
1: You know, you file for your patent and everybody thinks I'm going to know tomorrow did I get my patent or not. And guess what? Right. That is not the reality. In our case, it took three years. So for three years, you know, you're you know, we're not Amazon. We're not Google. We're You know, we're kind of a David and Goliath. So you, your conflict is, do I want to throw good money potentially after bad? I mean, what are the odds that I'm going to get this patent? right? So one day I'd wake up and I'd say, man, it's a great day. I, I'm going to get this patent. The next day you would wake up and you're like, what are the odds of me beating Google, Amazon, UPI, right? Me, Dan O'Toole. Do you spend yes.
0: three years not even knowing if this patent was going to happen? That, that's
1: exactly right. So, you know, I was really giddy about it. I felt like we had a really good shot. When we filed our IP, it was it a was pure blank space. There was no previous IP ahead of us, but you know, you don't know what you don't know, right? Somebody could have come in around the same time, like what we did with Amazon. Yeah, we were out there at the same time. Uh, We just happened to beat them by four days. But then you're also trying to temper your spending based off of the reality of if it's going to happen or not. I didn't want to lose developmental time, so I was engaged. So over that three years between 2014 and 2017, I had uh, gone through a couple iterations of prototyping and uh, just played around with the ergonomics and the interface and things like that. But when the patent issued in 17, that's when I really kicked it into high gear. And so in that first window of 2014 to 17, probably gone through probably three iterations of minor changed items and just kind of low cost. But once that kicked off where we knew we had the patent, then we engaged industrial design firms and we started playing with different materials to make the box out of it, a lot more sophisticated. And then we started adding to our team and bringing the world-class engineers into this frame and all these kind of things that you want to see when you're doing things with the reliability and redundancy of a 747 with 300 people. It has to work every time, not just some of the time. Right.
0: Right. So rigorous testing must be required too, because clearly you have to be thinking about when you create something this intricate and this useful, this technology-based, you have to think about maintenance, especially as you scale, right? You have to think if something goes wrong with this thing, someone doesn't get a package they need, you know, there's, that could ramp up for sure.
1: I always say we're, we're in an industry where you're judged by your failures, not your successes. You could re- repeatedly deliver a hundred thousand times to a drone deck and have it flawless, and then the hundred thousand and the first time the door doesn't work or something happens, and and that's what people will focus on. So yeah, you're
0: going to hear about it for sure. Yeah, right.
1: So failure is not an option. It has to be high precision, uh, high high redundancy and and reliability, and that's that's what we're working towards.
0: Well, it's funny you mentioned, too, the idea of being judged by your failures, because I had a previous guest recently talk about how he felt trained to be an entrepreneur from his baseball career, because you dedicate yourself to an enterprise where failing seven times out of 10 puts you in the Hall of Fame. You know, you have to really become accustomed to and comfortable with the very real sense that failure is the only option as you're working your way toward minimizing failure going forward. And so What makes a person grow up thinking, I can do what I can to build things myself? Uh, What stands out as an experience that kind of made you think, this is something I could do over and over and over again and really well?
1: You know, I was really brought up in a family of entrepreneurs. Kind of the mantra is, you have to dream big to get big. And, you know, this is America. There's nothing you can't do. You know, the only time you say no is when it's followed by the word problem, no problem. You know, just a real (laughs) can-do, crazy attitude. And really, you know, just not being afraid to fail, Doug. If you don't fail, you're not trying hard enough. You know what I mean? And frankly, I wouldn't trade one failure for not knowing. You know, I've I've tried a lot of stuff. And the, the reason I'm where I am is because I did try a lot of things. I found what worked and I found out what didn't. Like I said, I don't want to be 80 years old, sitting in a cubicle someday, maxed out, thinking what would have happened had I, I tried that one other idea you know, Got A to cubicle
0: me, in your 80s, geez, that's a that's a dystopian I mean, thought. I'm
1: just, <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> you know, I mean, you don't you want to leave it all out there on the court, right? And you don't want to second guess anything you didn't try. So I came up with this idea, and it really changed my life. I really believe this is the biggest market opportunity in the world today. Not just because it's my idea, because uh, the biggest companies in the whole world, the trillion dollar market cap companies, are accelerating in the same space. And um, it's going to happen. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And I think that's going to be sooner rather than later.
0: Well, let's talk about formative failures. Because when you think about the first thing you tried that was just a spectacular face plant, do you, do you have a particular memory of that and, and how you uh, overcame it?
1: Yeah, You know, um, because I view failure as success, it's hard to think of one. You know, I, <laughs> I do have a monster This is why put, you get
0: the life by the tail, man. I didn't hey, fail.
1: Hey, you know what? I always say if you throw enough shit at the wall, something's going to stick. And that doesn't mean I'm out here erratically uh, doing a lot of off the wall stuff, but I have tried a, a big diversity of different things. And, you know, reflecting on my life probably about a year ago when I was thinking about Drone Deck and, and what the opportunity is and what, what I've been presented with, I, I literally kind of broke down crying, which I don't do very much. And was just thinking about it's kind of a body of work that if it were in front of you, it would be insurmountable to even think about trying at this point you know what i mean and so
0: sure well you don't think about like i know there are people who look back and who've written classic novels and say i have no idea how i wrote that even now actually you saw an interview with bob dylan saying i have no idea how i wrote those songs
1: exactly man it's just that
0: moment at the time of inspiration where they happen and you just you hop on the horse when it gallops by another thing i found is when i asked people about their history a lot of ceos are like you know i don't remember because i don't really think about the past that much. I think about the lessons I learned. I think about how I screwed up and how I processed that and how it amended my behavior going forward. But rear view is rear view, man. I don't think about it much. If I've exited, if i failed, if it's over with and I have this in front of me, would you say, would you be among those who very rarely uh, indulges in the luxury of nostalgia?
1: You know, I- those who forget history are condemned to repeat it. Oh right? well, yeah,
0: that's true. You don't so, want to forget it. But yeah, you so, wanna
1: No, exactly. So you know what, man, it's it's a part of my life. It's a part of who I am. And really I think it's what makes me the guy that I am. And I do think about it sometimes. I can't believe I did that. Or, you know, whatever it might have been, right? I mean, I've been in the vending business, the contracting business, distribution, real estate. I've done a lot of different things. You know, I've been very successful in a lot of those and some I haven't been, frankly. Uh, but you know, it's who I am and it It helps navigate you, you know, life is going down a downhill slalom, you know, and you have to be fortunate enough to zig and zag at the right moment, right? Because the path is kind of being evaluated as you go, but you have to recognize opportunity when it's right there in front of you. And the other side is not just recognizing it, but being willing to act on, on whatever that is. And I've been really fortunate because of the risk-taking background that I have, the entrepreneurial you know, from my dad you know I credited him in the last interview and I continue to do that my dad uh, really was my beacon and uh, I saw him build a company out of nothing and work his ass off and uh, and he made a lot of tough decisions and he went through you know hell and high water and he made it happen and uh, you know I took a lot from that and a lot of the things I've done as an adult were based off of decisions that my dad either made or didn't make uh, or regrets that he had and I was able to be in a position to capitalize on some of the regrets that he had and and take those opportunities that I saw. And really, it's been responsible for a lot of my net worth, uh, just making, being able to make those decisions.
0: See, now we're getting somewhere. Yeah, because you did mention your dad before. And and when we met last, you had just lost him. And we had a great discussion about the effect he had on your life and what it was like to uh, shepherd him into the next realm somewhere. Did he have anything to say about Drone Deck when you first brought it to his attention as something to do?
1: you know, I gotta tell you, my dad was drone deck's biggest fan. In fact, before he passed away, I actually called an ambulance to his house. When they got there, they got out and they said, Hey, you're you're the drone deck guy. And that was because of my dad. Uh that's kind of touching, man. But he actually had doctors at the hospital that have invested in drone deck and he's always like, Give that guy a card, you know. And everywhere I went, I was like, Dad, you know, I mean, I'm here because you're in a hospital or whatever. And and he's uh trying to sell Drendex shares for me. and Yeah, he's on his
0: back with tubes coming out of him and he's trying to bring more here, investors so. into your uh, cap table. <laughs> so I'm sure
1: he's here with me right now. I, I have no doubt about that.
0: And the crowdfund itself has done really well. It's around half a million or so. Is that, is that right?
1: It's a half million. Uh, that's our crowdfunding. And we do have a parallel raise going, which is a, for accredited investors. So yeah, that's done extremely well as well. And then uh yeah, we did a crowdfund a year ago, and we did really well on that too. So deck is a story that's really resonating with everybody, and we're happy about that.
0: So you've had uh, this is your second crowdfund. It is. We did. So a how month. does this one differ from the other one? What? How did you market this one? How did you present this one as a second one? I know there are a lot of people listening to this who would like to be in a position to have succeeded once, and then when you plan a second what do you hope of anything to do differently apart from maybe earmark the funds for different things based upon how yeah. far your company's come along?
1: Well, you know, what we're doing is a very significant lift, you know, and it takes a lot of capital to do yeah, that because
0: it's a drone and it picks stuff yeah, up. Thank you. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yep. Thank you. Uh, so I always like to say we're winging it. No, I'm just
0: kidding. <laughs> um, so many air travel puns over the next several minutes listeners. So uh, just buckle in
1: the last raise we did. Our vision on that was developing a lot of the uh, technology and building some units that we could deploy uh, on a limited basis. And so now uh, we've done that. Now we're ready to add to our team. We've got facility needs. We're we're on our Gen 2 unit, which we wanted to uh, bring up to a higher standard uh, and get some production units in and uh, um, just bring in capital to continue to execute on our business plan every day. I don't care if you're Apple, Google, or DroneDeck, you know, you have a capital need. uh, And if you want to keep always raising the bar on uh, development, implementation, uh, your team, execution, all those things, it it does take capital to to do that.
0: Well, please notice, listeners, the rhetorical skill whereby Dan mentions Apple, Google, and DroneDeck in the same breath, therefore conflating equal value. Well done, sir. Um, Thank you. (laughs) <laughs> well, and it's interesting, too, because I wanted to ask about you as the CEO, as the chief communicator. I'm sure there are plenty of people here listening about to know what makes a successful crowdfund in your mind. You've had a couple now. There's a lot to do with the quality of your product. There's a lot to do with the transparency of the product or the accessibility of the product, how easy it is to explain how um, prevalent the problem is and how readily people recognize that problem, and also how well you explain the where investors money is going and what it could achieve so what have you learned that goes into a successful campaign that may even make this second one exceed the, the first
1: thanks man i really appreciate the opportunity to address that you know our core values are transparency and communication In this day and age doug you've got uh, you know sam bankman fried and all these people that everybody wants your money you don't know what they're doing with it where it's going uh, there's a lot of credibility issues out there. And I just think that now more than ever, it's really important to be genuine and um, let people know who you are and be available. I put my cell phone, it's the same phone number I've had for 30 years. Uh, it's it's all over the internet. I put it out there every day. <clears throat> and I really welcome people to call me, push back on me, question me, comment, whatever. You know, I'm a big boy, I can take it. If I can't, I shouldn't be doing what I'm doing. But I would also say that if, if we as a company or me as a CFO, CEO, I'm sorry, I'm not the CFO, I'm thinking about money. If the CEO of <laughs> the audacity to ask you to put your hard-earned money and faith into Drone Deck and me, then I damn well ought to be on the other end of the phone if you have a question or a comment. I think there's a lot of frustration um, by investors out there that they don't get that kind of access. And I always put myself in the shoes of, a, of an investor. I want to be in the know. I want to know that the company cares about me more than they do themselves, and they're doing the right things that I want done for me as the investor. That's the bellwether of how we approach everything.
0: So, and what are the most common questions and comments you get from people who do call you about drone deck? Because I know when I first thought about it, there is a certain consumer acceptance rate that you have to improve somehow. There are people who are just fundamentally skeptical of drone traffic in their neighborhoods.
1: You know, what if people shoot your drones down? I hear that a lot. Well, you know what? We're not the drone. We're the drone deck. And I'm going to break something right here. Breaking news, Doug. We are changing the name of the company, not the corporation, not the entity, but the product is going to be called Arrive. Arrive is more of an aspirational name like a Google, Amazon, right? More welcoming and not as defining because we are, frankly, opening up delivery to all forms of delivery to be robotic, unmanned driverless vehicle, aerial drone, as well as conventional and U.S. mail. So look for the name ARRIVE to start popping up. We're, we're just uh, going to unveil that at this uh, UAVSI show in May. And I'm breaking news with you here today, Doug. So All right.
0: Yeah. So listeners to this podcast will walk into that show in May. i like, I knew that.
1: Yeah, that's right. Old news, right?
0: Well, that's interesting because you're this far along. You say you you get the patent in um, 2017. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So this this product is six years old. So uh, an arrive clearly has its own connotations. But what inspired right. the name change? You know,
1: we want to be more welcoming, less pigeonholed or defined as you know, is somebody going to shoot your drones down, right? Uh, you know, all those kind of things. If you look at Facebook now, they're Meta, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, they're well, uh,
0: well down. I wouldn't use that as a parallel. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I'm doing it again. But Morris is all you now. Well, game <laughs> yeah, change right? was differently motivated. I would hope.
1: Yeah, uh, and it opens up so much of what we're going to do. You know, we're we're envisioning a credit card offering the Arrive card, which would be either a Mastercard oh, okay. backed card. You can earn instead of airline miles or points, you'll be able to earn uh, credits to offset your your uh, cost of having a drone deck. We want to get people to, uh, you know, cost neutral or even maybe it's accretive where you're actually paid in some form for having a drone deck. Uh, you know, the total addressable market in the U.S. is 160 million addresses. That number grows by 4,000 new addresses every single day. So what if you could build out all that infrastructure, flip a switch and be the gateway to every home and business essentially throughout the country uh, at that level. What is that infrastructure worth? What's the value and how could you capitalize that? And there's just so much untapped opportunity there that we see that as just, a, it's a, it's a new platform. Yeah, it's a new Okay.
0: Platform. So it's in, in a way drone deck was too limiting for you because it was,
1: it was, you know, one thing we always say, Doug, is there's more we don't know about drone deck and what it's going to do. than we do know. And the reason we say that is, when you have this little piece of real estate that's a gateway to every home and business throughout the world actually you know what are the use cases that have yet to be thought of you know how how many ways can you monetize this is a sensor feature rich uh, platform that can do virtually anything really just like your iphone when your iphone came out if if they told you uh, when it came out all the different apps that would be available today for your iphone you wouldn't have believed it and now it's a part of Pop culture. And we, we see Drone Deck really insinuating itself into the fabric in much the same way. We see commerce all being done through Drone Deck, uh, reverse logistics returns, food delivery, uh, archiving all of your transactional history returns, uh, emergencies, dispatching the uh, police fire ambulance, heated and cool. I mean, there's just so many things. And that's just the tip of the iceberg.
0: For real. Yeah. I mean, in fact, that's, I, I had a question along those lines. This is a real watershed moment for you, for as a name change.
1: It is um,
0: back when you were in, in 2017, thinking about where you might be in 2023. How have your predictions lived up to the reality at this point?
1: You know, I DroneDeck has really surpassed where I thought we would be right now, and you know, we have a 330 million dollar valuation. We've got world class team members out of the logistics space. Uh, our board is comprised of some major players. Um, we've raised significant capital. Uh, we've got a great product, great opportunities with some of the biggest companies in the world today that we're talking to. We couldn't be in a better place. And I'm not just saying that for purposes of anybody looking to invest. I'm, Yeah, we have, this is an internal talk that we have with our team. Wow. Can you believe, you know, this kooky idea that 90% of the people thought I was a that job when I came up with it has resonated this much have nearly 5,000 investors, raise nearly $8 million to have the attention of every major player in the world in the space. You know, that's something that you couldn't have even hoped or wished for, you know, and I'm I'm just so proud of that. You know, if you have a futuristic idea and people don't think you're crazy, you're too late.
0: <laughs> it's interesting. I, I love talking to entrepreneurs and when they say they thought I was crazy and their eyes light up the way yours just did, there's a tingle that I think... A certain type of person gets when they're told you're out of your mind. And it's like, just watch me, fella. You have no idea how far this can go.
1: It's all fuel. You know, yeah, it man. seems
0: like there's a real, you kind of place that own chip on your shoulder so you can say, okay, just please remember the date and time you said that to me because I'm going to bring it back up when I'm in the middle of my second half million dollar crowdfund.
1: And you know, the other side of that real quick, Doug, is everybody that put $1 into this company, those guys put All the faith in the world in this crazy idea, this crazy company, and me. And I don't take that lightly at all. I'm so proud of that. And I'm so driven by that. That is what motivates me more than anything. I want to prove to those guys that they made the right choice. And I want this to be the best thing they ever did. And that's what I work for every single day.
0: As much of a serial entrepreneur you are, this is the first product that you brought to market with the aid of a crowdfund, right? It is. It is. So what have you learned about that? How has crowdfunding changed your experience as an entrepreneur, knowing you have the JOBS Act and this whole new aspect to capital out there that didn't exist when you began this career that you've been plugging away at for decades? How do you see this capability shaping your view of entrepreneurship going forward?
1: Well, hey, it's a great tool. You know, in the past, it was always VC, PE, you know, big, sophisticated money, killing your valuation. Uh, stealing your soul, owning control, all those kind of things. Right. And now it's a, we, the people story. And that's what we say. We are here at Drundeck. Our first 3000 investors are all memorialized on a plaque with an inscription about what we're doing. And it's got everybody's personal signature. We, we got that from everyone and we've got that. And that's on our Drundeck unit. Number one, that hopefully will be in the Smithsonian someday. And we have an um, initiative called From Within. If you're a Drone Deck investor, we know where you are, what you do, and if you want to participate. Any opportunities that Drone Deck has, we always want to look from within first. We want to give back to the people that gave to us. And we're building a community here, nearly 5,000 strong at this point. And there's great interaction between themselves, between the, each other, and with me and with our team. And I mean, we've gotten to know. A lot of people, we consider them friends, and we didn't know them at all uh, when this idea came about. When we uh, designed our our Gen 2 unit, which is in development right now, we had an industrial design firm engaged. We put out all the drawings to our whole community, and we took votes, and we went with the one that got the most votes from our uh, investors. And so that's how we approach everything here. We're, we've got the most impassioned, unified uh, investor community. And I think there's a lot of pride in people that have invested in drone deck and to, to be able to share in the, you know, the navigation of drone deck. And I think that resonates very well in a crowdfunding format. The thing I'm most proud of, Philip Malinox, uh, one of our great investors, Philip, if you're out there hearing this, he called me one day, I didn't, never knew him, great guy. And he said, Hey, I wanted to put my wife on the phone. I want you to uh, tell her why she should we should invest X amount in drone deck. And I said, I'm not going to do that, man. I said, uh, I'll tell you the drone deck story and all that, but I'm not going to try to pitch for any amount. And uh, before it was all over with, he ended up putting 4X of the amount he wanted me to uh, talk her into. putting. So that's a real victory. I think it shows the genuineness of how we approach things and how it's being received. And uh, I'm really proud of that. And I hope you don't mind, Philip, I, that I just told that
0: story. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, it's interesting that when you phrase it that way, Clearly, you're not a big fan of the hard sell, and it's. But it's also great to be in a position when the product speaks for itself. But if we were to just turn that question on its head, why wouldn't you invest in Drone Deck? What worries you about the future? When you you've talked about exceeding expectations of the first six years, when you think about the next six years, what sort of problems do you anticipate coming up the road, uh, or in the air current in the airstream? Uh, how and how do you anticipate uh, staving them off?
1: Drone Deck is speculative. There's risk that autonomous delivery never happens. There's risk that HOAs don't allow uh, drone delivery or autonomous delivery to happen. So you guys make that decision. Uh, we we can lay out you know, what we're doing here. And if it resonates with you, please come in and uh, uh, join our journey with us. If it doesn't, I shake your hand. I respect you. And I really appreciate that you considered uh, our story and listened to it. And that's all I can ask at the end of the day, right?
0: So if we role play for a bit. So if I do represent an HOA who says we don't want that around, how specifically and and to what extent would you try to inspire HOAs and other community groups to change their mind or at least have an open mind about the services these can provide versus the visual change to the community that they'll they're bound to see?
1: First of all, we are going to be persuasive. We do want to be everywhere. We think that the real value delivered from drone deck is through economy of scale, right? And efficiency, saturating markets, zip codes. So it is important to blanket those areas. We also believe that HOAs have the most demographically high percentage users of, of our platform based on uh, the amount of pa- packages and Amazon deliveries and things like that that they receive. So we do kind of believe that that will be an issue that takes care of itself because those are the people that are making their own rules. Uh, you know, they run their HOAs, and they're the ones that are going to want these more than anybody, probably. But it is a risk still, and I wanted to throw it out there. I, I can tell you, when, when I started the company, my two biggest worries were raising capital and uh, bureaucracy, municipality buy-in to the platform, right? Acceptance and allowing. And what we found is raising capital... Uh, we've got great traction. It's the Jetsons, you know, everybody wants to be a part of the future. And then, uh, so we were able to raise capital uh, significantly and and successfully. And then the municipality side, what we found there is, you know, literally every mayor wants to be a city of firsts. They want to be seen by their constituents as uh, giving the cutting edge technology and all those kind of things. And so we've had a huge acceptance. We've had you know, we've been invited to roll out in several markets. It's very gratifying to get the gravitas that we've seen, uh, the acceptance, the inv- invitations uh, that we've experienced in all these markets, uh, meeting with mayors uh, throughout the country, uh, legislatures, and uh, all kinds of things like that. So there's going to be people that don't want their privacy, perceived privacy inhibited through a drone coming up. But we're not the drone. People.
0: privacy. How cynical of you.
1: <laughs> right, right, right. right. Well, <laughs> hey, everything's public. We've got ring cameras. Uh, you know, you got uh, TV shows following cops around. You know, it's all happening. And uh, that's the world that we're living in. Uh, you know, we're a spoiled cons- uh, consumer these days, right? Everybody wants everything faster, better, cheaper, and fresher. And if you can have a drone deck and make use of that for less money, right? Fuel costs being carbon neutral by 2050, less wear and tear on the roads, lower insurance costs, less deaths, less accidents. Uh, There's just so many things that Dronadek does. And I just don't think that uh, society can really turn smack on that. Once people experience and see the value proposition that autonomous delivery provides, you're never going to want to go back.
0: And does that mean you're going to try like pilot programs to have people actually try this out before they realize that whatever the benefits are going to far outweigh the costs?
1: Absolutely. I mean, you know, we may even go into zip codes and say, Raise your hand if you want a free drone deck for six months or a year or two years, whatever that is. Now, by having that infrastructure in place, we're going to pull all the shippers and deliverers onto our platform because we know there's nothing more compelling than a customer telling their vendor how they want something to be done, right? We think that's very compelling, and you know those are things we're looking at, and that's that ties back to the arrive credit card and getting you to a position where you're in your drone deck for little nothing, or maybe making money. Uh, it's an Amazon Prime model essentially. If everybody had to buy a drone deck, it would, it would be cost prohibitive, and we wouldn't get the saturation that we need. So by lowering the opportunity, the cost opportunity to everyone, uh, we know that that's very compelling.
0: So, yeah, and you have a pilot program going on in Lawrence. Um, and so how's that going and how effective will their satisfaction be in, in your marketing program going forward? Well, we we
1: concluded a pilot there that we ran over the summer with the U.S. Postal Service and uh, commercial accounts in Lawrence, Indiana. It was a limited use case. We wanted to prove it out, and we, we've we digested the information from that. Uh, we took video and saw interaction with the drone deck from conventional and autonomous delivery modes, and we we were very successful. We had zero. Oh, issue. there weren't a lot of
0: firearms involved in that.
1: No, not a lot. No, no, <laughs> not no. a lot. Okay. <laughs> no, no, there was zero. Let me be clear. Zero. Yes, let's be. So you got to you know, be clear these days, right?
0: Right. Absolutely.
1: So no, it went off without a hitch. Uh, we we did a great job. The U.S. Postal Service delivered flawlessly, uh, and that's what we really wanted to prove out: conventional and autonomous simultaneous deliveries and how that can interact. Really proud of the results. Uh, We look at rolling out a larger pilot this year in Lawrence, Indiana, as well as other opportunities we have throughout the country. Many of those are going to be in the healthcare space, uh, delivering lab samples and and blood and things like that. So um, there's just a lot going on. It's a really frothy environment right now.
0: Couldn't this also be something to keep warm for like takeout food deliveries as well?
1: Absolutely. Heated and cooled. You know, we envision a time where your commerce is all done through your drone deck app and we unite you with your vendor. So if you wanted to order a uh, uh, Panera bread uh, soup order, you know, we would allow Panera to turn on the heating in your drone deck and, um, you know, keep it warm for you. You'll get notified when it arrives.
0: Which is actually the question I was thinking too, because this is the question everyone's asking. You've been saying drone deck now for six years. It's not the drone, it's the deck. You've got that great pattern down and you've been using it forever. How much time do you think you're gonna spend referring to drone deck by accident after you've made the branding switch to arrive?
1: Um yes. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I'm sure I will, right? I mean, that's part of it. And you know, in reality, we want to be tethered to drone deck. I mean, that is our corporate entity, and that's not gonna change. And frankly, we have a lot of investors, a lot of goodwill built up. We've got investors with drone deck tattoos out there and
0: you know oh no of on their cars no, you and... can't you can't disrupt uh, your art yeah,
1: that's <laughs> right i don't know we try to figure out how you could turn drone deck into arrive to rework some of those tattoos i don't think you
0: would have know. to get some but... real calligraphy experts gonna have to go over time <laughs> to figure that out but i'm sure it's possible
1: <laughs> so so we, you know to your point we've got a lot of goodwill built up in the name drone deck uh we started that organically uh back in 2014 and you know uh, if you look on the internet, you can see how many uh, Google pages are, you know, tens of thousands. And we're, we're loyal to that. And we're not trying to scuttle that. Uh, but we we do want to move forward. And I think this is a good way to do it.
0: And as we uh, finish up here, and I really appreciate your time talking about the experience, talking about what you've learned about crowdfunding. You know, we are building a community ourselves with Kiwi Tech. It's called Circles. And uh, we are encouraging lots of people at all stages of raising funds to join that community and learn from other people who are doing the same thing, share experiences and all that stuff. And when you get serial entrepreneurs like yourself who will talk about the experience, uh, I think it's not an accident that you you conflated CEO and CFO for a while there. You're definitely a numbers money guy. So when you talk about the boilerplate skill set versus what you figured out in this one particular industry to what extent does your entrepreneurial aspect carry the day uniformly in terms of the projects you've started versus trying to be an expert in particular in autonomous delivery technology? Totally.
1: You know, I always say when you think you know everything, that's when you you don't know anything, right? Or you get out. So it gets back to what I said earlier, just putting great people around yourself, recognizing that you're not the expert on everything in the room. And frankly, you don't want to be. If anybody does want to be, that's not a good attribute of a leader, I don't think. You know, you wanna yield to the people that know the things that you don't know and that's how they bring value. And and frankly, you're holding your company back if if that's who you think you are and you're trying to micromanage or try to control the narrative on everything. You know, I like to listen, and I learn a lot that way. And uh, I'm proud of the people that are with us every day. And and really, it just shows depth of bench uh, in a company um, to be able to hold up experts beside yourself. If you're the guy, you're just a one-trick pony, you know. And you don't you don't want to be that. It's important that that you show that you've got some breadth there. But one, one other thing I would say, when you get circles going, I think having gone through two crowdfunding campaigns on different. Platforms, I think I can bring a lot of insights to your group, and I'd be happy to share those with you guys because I think there's things that uh, really are aligned on both the platform and the company raising money side of things, and I think it's important to leverage those so that the investors have a great experience. And I, I know there's a lot of frustration out there, both on the investor side and the company raising side. Uh, and so I, you know, if if I weren't so busy doing Arrive Drone Deck myself. Um, you know, I, I always said I was going to start a, a crowdfunding platform just because uh, I think there's a real opportunity out there for somebody that does it the right way, that understands the customer dynamic. And uh, the reality is you have two customers when you're a platform. You've got the investor and you've got the company raising the capital as well. And I think that is lost a lot of times. And I, I think that's a core value that that uh, needs to be remembered. And and I think that can go a long way. I think you guys could be very successful. And I'd love to share that with you. So when you get closer on that, let me know.
0: I appreciate that. Yeah, that's that's we are definitely going to be a community that is more than the sum of its parts in many ways. Just because, as you know, when you involve a group of anybody, when you are asking for someone's attention, which is in this economy, one of the most valuable commodities there is, you want to be very grateful to them for offering their attention and to reward their attention with something they can use. So I appreciate that. Yes, you will definitely be at the top of the list. And as we uh, as we close down here, let's let's talk about where people can find you. Talking about Drone Deck, where they can find your crowdfund. We'll put all these links in the show notes for sure. How can people contact you if people are interested? And what else should uh, potential investors know about Drone Deck when it arrives and its new entity later this spring?
1: Thanks, Doug. I really appreciate that. Um, and thanks, guys, for uh, hearing us today and uh, considering Drone Deck. Our website is dronedeck.com. That's D R O N E D E K dot com. My email is Dan, like Daniel at drone And then I throw out my number, 317 694 7520. And I welcome any calls, comments, suggestions. Please reach out and consider us. And thanks.
0: I appreciate it, Dan. And thank you all for listening to the Successfully Funded Podcast. I've been your host, Doug French with KiwiTech. My guest has been Dan O'Toole, CEO and founder of DroneDeck and myriad other exploits throughout his career. Dan, thank you very much for your time and your expertise.
1: I really appreciate letting us come back on with you, man. Great interview. really appreciate the intuitive questions you ask and how you flushed things out. I think that was really awesome.
0: Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. And listeners, thank you very much for your attention. Well, we'll see you next time with another entrepreneur working his way through the headwinds, literally, of starting up a new business. All the best. See you then.